I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. With the rapid advances in cancer research, it can be difficult for physicians to stay on top of all of the emerging treatments in clinical development. Leal Health has developed an AI-powered platform that provides a personalized list of treatment options to match a patient's precise diagnosis to advanced therapies and clinical testing. We spoke to Sphia Bader, co-founder and CEO of Leal Health, about her own experience with cancer, how that led to the creation of Leal Health, and how it's harnessing AI to connect patients to clinical trials based on their exact diagnoses. Sphia, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. I'm happy to be here today. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about cancer care, Leal Health, and how Leal's using AI to help patients get access to advanced therapies through clinical trials. I'd like to start with how you became involved in the area, beginning with your experience with your mother, who you lost to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. What happened? So um, my mom was, uh, was doing really well. And then at the age of 52, she started not to feeling too well, but nothing significant. She started to be a little bit tired. She started having weird rushes. She had several meetings with different specialists and they all just told her, well, you're getting a little bit older at 52, right? Uh, you're going through menopause. You need to rest more, uh, work less and everything will be okay. So basically they brushed her off. Um, eventually she ended up with a, a great gyno who decided to take a more serious look into her complaints. Um, at that point, she was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, B-cell, stage 3C. And, and the funny thing is funny, but uh, when, she, when we received the diagnosis, we were told, you're lucky. We thought it's, it's worse, that it might be uterine uh, cancer. So you're going to have a rough year, but you'll come out of it uh, fine and, and you can continue your life, which was fair enough because standard of care, the chemo protocol work at 70, 80% of the cases, but unlucky to my mom, she did not respond well to the standard of care. Um, at that time, basically I reached out to her doctor and said, okay, so what's next? And she looked at me and, you know, that was uh, in 1999. So internet just started and I was already in computer and a little bit of a geek. And she said, look, I'm going to ask around in my colleagues, but if you can go to your internet thing and do a search and see what you come up with, that would be great. Maybe there's something out there. Which was very uh, untypical to an oncologist to say something like that. And, And I do appreciate her for being candid about the fact that she has limited access to, to advanced uh, treatment options. So I did my thing and I searched and I actually found a clinical trial in Memorial 
that seems to be right for my mom as I shared it with the oncologist. She really loved it. She reached out to the oncologist in Memorial. Um, and we already were in a process of signing her up, but then her condition deteriorated really, really quickly. And within, and her, um, and she had um, metastatic in the brain and within 48 hours we lost her. In 2013, you were given your own diagnosis of malignant melanoma. This was about 20 years after your mother's battle with cancer. How had the world changed, and what did you do based on your experience with your mother that was different? So, yeah, so when I got my diagnosis, again, stage four, um, but, uh, but melanoma this time, I knew I need to have a different outcome than my mom. You know, my, my youngest was one year old at the time. My oldest was five. I, I definitely needed a different outcome. Um, and internet was different, right? We had our internet and we all became part of this digital world. And I working in the tech industry was part of a lot of tools that were about empowering us and changing our habit and the way we do banking and the way we do insurance, moving them all into the digital platform. So when I did my, when I received my diagnosis, I was like, okay, let me look online. Let me to start from the online options, not wait for the oncologist to offer them, see what their options are, and then find the oncologist that fits me and, and, and decide how I want to get treated. Um, and when I did it, I, I realized something amazing on the one hand and, and disturbing on the other hand. So the amazing part was, that there was so many treatment options. Most of them did not exist. When my mom was diagnosed, there was so much innovation into clinical trial, which is extremely important in, 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 in indication like melanoma, where the standard of care is not really working. But it's important for everyone because even when standard of care, which means the approved chemo works, as we know, it has very severe side effects. It's, it's very hard to tolerate to a lot of patients, even if they respond. It's hard to maintain good uh, balance with, you know, maintaining your life, taking care of your family, your work while being on that and those treatments. So I saw a lot of innovation uh, in targeted therapy and immunotherapy, different and new approaches to try and treat cancer on the one hand. On, on the other hand, I realized that, gee, I don't understand any of it. So still as a patient, I don't have easy access to it because I can find it. I can see there's option, but understanding, A, are those options are right for me? It goes through a list of what it's called eligibility criteria. So it's a lot of criteria that talks about your prof medical profile as a patient and say whether this treatment is right for you or, or wrong. So it could be an inclusion criteria, an exclusion criteria, but it's all in a very complex medical language. It's complex criteria. So you're not really sure because of the complexity, because of the medical um, lingo. As a patient, it's hard to understand if it's right for you or not. And then when you go with a long list to the oncologist, the usual response is, no, 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 those are not right for you. This is Dr. Google. Let me tell you what's right. So you sort of start going in a limbo and being completely dependent on what your own oncologist is saying. So in my own journey, I started with in one uh, uh, community clinic, not far from where I was living, as the majority of the patients. I waited three hours to meet this oncologist after trying online and seeing that I don't have a lot of success, but I had some questions, right? I saw some things. I wanted to better understand them. He spent five minutes with me, looked at me and said, well, you're not doing too good. Well, thank you. That's words of encouragement. <laughs> uh, thanks for making me feel a hell lot better. Um, 
but let's see if it didn't metastasize to your brain yet. And I was just like, alert, alert. I know about brain metastatic. I lost my mom. Um, that doesn't sound good either. So come back after that, and then we will see what are your options. Maybe I have one clinical trial. And, and, and I was looking at it, and I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean, then we will see what are my options? What are my options if, if I have it in the brain? If I don't, why only one clinical trial? I saw so many other options. And he, he basically, fair enough, because, you know, as, as I was waiting three hours outside, he had a long list of other patients waiting for him. But basically said, okay, I, I will talk to you when you come back. So I looked at my husband. I was just like, I'm not staying here. And he, and he was terrified. He was like, he said, you're not doing well. We're not changing doctors now. And I was, okay, if there's one thing I've learned from my mother, losing my mother, is that I need to own it and I need to manage it. And I need to have a, a doctor that believe, that gives me option. I need to be in a place that I have option. Not having option is not an option. Not being on top of it is not an option. So that kind of... That kind of started my journey. I, I moved to another very large uh, research hospital where I met this lovely oncologist that suddenly gave me option. But even then, it wasn't simple. So he gave me three options. I started the treatment. The treatment didn't work for me. It was a clinical trial, actually, a very promising one. But as life goes, and with, in cancer especially, I did not respond to that treatment. Um, so seven months later, we had to reassess and just and make another decision of another treatment, which is how it goes with cancer. Um, and when I came to him to see other option, I did what I said I will do. I went online, I studied, I didn't search for help. I asked who can help me understand what I'm seeing. And I came to him with a few options I found. And there was one option he, he didn't even offer me. And I asked him a simple question. Are you offering me everything that is out there and, and just giving me the best based on your op opinion and experience? You're, you are the best in, or one of the best in your areas. And of course, you know a lot about the disease, about the melanoma. And he gave me a very candid answer. He said, I can only offer you what's in this hospital and what I'm aware of. So you suddenly realize how limited this world is. Even if you go to the best of places with the best of doctors, you're still getting a limited option list, which is you guys can understand and then you as well but i told you already i'm not happy with limited i want to make a choice based on understanding all my options and then choose what's right for me how um, did, how did yeah, these experiences right. lead to the formation of leo health what was the the vision for the company so that so the last statement i just gave was exactly that i was like Every patient at any given point needs to better understand his entire option. Not only him, by the way, also his oncologist. The question should never be what's out there, what are my options. The question and what patient should focus on is what is right for me. What I want a more aggressive treatment, a less aggressive treatment. I want to be treated close to home. I'm willing to travel far for the most innovative treatment. I want something with a lot of data proof. I don't care... Uh, experiment on something if I know that it, it might have a better outcome. There's a lot. I can tolerate pain. I can't tolerate pain. I want needles. I want pills. There's a lot to be discussed, but those discussions can only happen if I have an option. And every patient, doesn't matter where he's being treated, 
who is this oncologist? What is his um, in health insurance look like? should have access to all treatment. We need to democratize access to treatment, especially in a disease like cancer, and especially in a disease that there is so much innovation into. So that was that's kind of what drives the mission behind Leo. Think about it like a Zillor. Our mission is that you don't ask what's out there, you see immediately what's out there, and then you start focusing on what's right for you. Um, but it was very clear to us from day one that the reason that something like that does not exist is because it's not a simple task. You not only need to, you need to have, you not only need to have access to all the treatment, right? I need to have a very smart machine that can analyze it and like an oncologist understand the match between a patient medical profile and the treatment profile. So, cause I only want to show you what's really right for you, not just stuff that are in the peripheral area, cause that's not going to help you. And I want, I need a machine that can understand medical lingual, and then I need to also help translate it to a patient lingo. So I need to, in a matter of minutes or seconds, actually find you the right treatment, match you to the right treatment and help you understand that. So it's a so, very, very complex task for a machine. You're using a, an AI platform to do this. What's it able to do that a, a patient or their doctor couldn't do on their own by going to clinicaltrials.gov? So everything that a machine does usually a human can do right but it's a matter of time and cost and knowledge so what the ai can do it goes into clinicaltrials.gov by the way now we do more than clinicaltrials.gov because now we can also show you approved drugs not even not just the clinical trials but it can go into there read through all the different treatment protocols that exist so let's assume i have Let's not assume I have melanoma, metastatic malignant melanoma. I can go through, the machine can go through all the protocols for uh, malignant melanoma treatment. He can understand all the eligibility criteria for all their complexity. Is it inclusion, exclusion? It's looking for a specific biomarker. It's looking for patients who receive the treatment until a certain point who suffer from a specific side effect. So really understand the medical lingo, understand the complexity of the eligibility criteria, and then do the match to the medical profile of the patient. So usually if you take an oncologist and you ask him, if you go to clinicaltrials.gov and you come through that, for one patient, it will take him 24, 48 hours, depends on the, on the profile of the patient. So it's a long time. And a patient can... It, for a patient, it will take a week or even more. And again, the patient will have problem understanding some of the medical lingo, uh, probably. Um, and then, so it can read through all of them, can create this match immediately. And then also, for the sake of the patient, it not only show you the list of treatment that are right for you, it will rate them for you. And that's also for the oncologist. Based on the based on the guidelines, right? So if it's a target, it, it's better than it could be better for a patient than a general chemo. If it's a combo, it could be better for a mono. So there is some guidelines to how you rate it, and and we rate it based on that, and we also curate it for patient friendly language, so a patient can understand what is this treatment, what type of treatment it is. It's immunotherapy, a targeted therapy. What's the what does it do? It's combining these two treatment. What is the expected outcome? How many cycles will I receive? Uh, what, how, how many times do I expect to go to the hospital to receive it? It's, how would I receive it? It's, what's the, if it's a trial, what's the, um, 
what is it measuring what is the expected outcome out of it so a lot of information so the biggest task is actually doing the match and finding the right treatment and then it's also curating it and helping a patient better understand these options how does it work what what information does a patient or their physician need to apply and what's the input what's what's the process and what's the output okay great question so basically in order to do the right match, it's like when you go to a doctor office and there is the intake forms that we all love so much. Um, you have, but you, but it's a necessity, right? If I want to find you the right treatment, I need to know as much as I can about you. Um, so we need a patient to come in, and we basically are a physician on his behalf, and we take him through a dynamic questionnaire that asks him question regarding his. Uh, disease characteristic, what type, subtype, by, if he's done NGS testing, biomarker, genetic mutation, etc. We're looking at treatment history, what treatment he received, what was the outcome for him. We're looking at other health uh, condition. Now, all of it is done via dynamic questionnaire. And as always, if a patient doesn't know, he can skip. And then basically, we will tell him, those treatments we know are precise for you based on the information you gave us. Those treatments could possibly be right for you, but we are lacking this specific information. Once you added it, we can know if it's right for you or not. Um, and of course, exclude those that we know are not right for him. Now, one of the things that we're doing, and I'm sure, Danny, that you probably already heard a lot about Gen AI, and there are people here talking about Gen AI. So, Gen AI now allows us to be more precise and, and also better support the patient in their journey. So we know, for example, NGS next generation sequencing reports, which are basically genetic testing reports, are very hard for a patient a lot of time to understand. So we allow them to upload those and the machine reads and pre-populate them. Um, we're now in the process of actually working on allowing patients probably in, in, in the next few months, you will see it, add more, more and more documents to upload and we will, re, we will create this information and just ask you supplementary question about the things that are missing. So we're building as, as a holistic and as complete profile of the patient current disease and, and medical uh, condition. And the output from it will be the list of clinical trials, and now we're adding also approved drugs that are right for you. So like I said, those that you meet the eligibility criteria, not those that are in the peripheral area or could be, but actually the ones that are precisely right for you with as much information as we can give you around them, um, uh, which is information that patients are, that are really important to patients. How many cycles, uh, how are they are giving, um, for, how, for how long, uh, when we talk about the approved drugs, we even can give patient data around what other patients, uh, how other patients who receive those treatments rate them uh, aggressive, less aggressive, what, what, what other uh, side effect patients that receive those experience. Uh, we can give you a, we can show you if a trial is completely novel therapy or, or taking novel therapy and combining it with already approved therapy. If it's a trial for a a drug that was approved on another indication, we can share some data around. We see it a lot now that, you know, a, a new drug will be tested in on melanoma and then tested for lung cancer patients. So you can, we can share data about the melanoma patients. How did they experience it? How, what was the success rate with it? Side effect, again, aggressiveness level, et cetera. 
Is this available to any cancer patient or is it only available for patients with a particular type of cancer? Uh, great question. So it's available to almost all cancer types. We are now covering over 22 cancer types, which covers 95% of the cancer, uh, 93% of the cancer patient population. Um, and we're working and adding new in the cancer type every every month or so. The reason we work, there is a little bit of a gap where it works this way is mainly because we need to train the system, right? AI, I call I refer to it usually as a she because it's smart, so there has to be a woman. But jokes aside, it has to be trained because I don't want to I don't want to give a patient a list that will be full of 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 things that are not right for him, right? The quality will not be right. And so we need the precision here. The accuracy level is really important to us. So we spend a lot of time QAing the outcome and the output from, from the machine. And only when we get to the level of accuracy we feel comfortable, we release it to patient to be used. Clinical trials in cancer are a dynamic area. Do patients get a one-time result or are they a way to are they made aware of potential new treatments as additional clinical trials are initiated? It's a, it's a really good question. And I think also we're lucky that it's a dynamic area, right? We're, we're lucky. I always said, I always, always said that I, I'm lucky to be diagnosed at the time I was diagnosed because the prognosis for me was not great. Less than 40% survival. And the fact that I ended up participating in three clinical trials probably saved my life. So that dynamic, that new new additional trials are being added on a week uh, on a weekly basis is a great great uh, a, a great thing for patient, and that's why it, using Lil is not a one time thing. So we keep send every time there's a new trial that is added and fit the patient profile or a treatment get approved, we notify the patient. So a patient will always receive the new email from us, letting them know there is a new trial, a new new treatment option that is available to them that wasn't that wasn't available before. So they can evaluate them and their doctor and see if that's the right time for them to try it. We also encourage patients every time, even if you choose to pass and start a different treatment, keep your profile updated. So if this, in the worst case scenario, that the treatment doesn't work, you immediately know and have other option available for you. One of the interesting, can I say one more thing, Danny? Sure. About, th about things that we will we were working now to help patients in the future. Um, so one of the things we're even working now is to help you plan ahead your treatment plan. And what do I mean by that? I wanna, a lot of the time, if I'll do one treatment, it will eliminate additional treatment in the future or, or it'll, be, it'll be added as an exclusion in, treatment, in, in the clinical trial. So we're now working and developing this new capability that will allow patients to not only see their current option, but also see a what-if scenario. So understand each treatment choices, if they started, what treatment will not be available for them in the future or will be available. So you can really plan ahead smartly when you look at your journey uh, for cure. This is a service that's free to use to patients. What's the business model? How does Leal make its money? And, and is there a way to leverage the data, which... I suspect could, could have a lot of value. It's exactly that. You're spot on. It's absolutely free for patient and will always will be. And, and that's, and that, and that was a core value for us for day one, because we don't, 
want to take from patient PCR and are going through so much. This should be the last thing that they pay for is information about treatment that are available for them. But the way we monetize them, monetize that is via the pharmaceutical company. The pharmaceutical company are the one who are looking for patients for their treatment, for their clinical trials, for their approved drugs. Not only they're looking for patients, they also are looking for data surrounding patients. They want to better understand. At the end of the day, the patients are their consumers, right? And they need to serve patients better. They talk a lot about being patient-centric and focus on patient experience. But unfortunately, they, we live in a world where they don't have a lot of data surrounding those patients. And that's exactly what we do. So by meaning, I, I never give them personalized patient data. I give them analytic around patient around patient data so they can better understand where our patients are for their clinical trials. So instead of instead of them building site and expect opening site and expect patient to come to them, we they can know where the patient is and 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 bring the trials closer to the patient. They understand the patient barriers. What are they concerned about? The side effects, the number of of tested, the fact that the drugs is a mono versus a combo. Um, the fact that it's not, it's not giving, um, is, it's, 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 it's the fact that it's giving what with the treatment, you need to be hospitalized uh, for a week or so. So there is different concerns and issues and barriers for a patient and different motivations. So we analyze those and we share it with the pharma so they can better utilize, better prepare, better plan and better serve patients. And that's the way we monetize the data without compromising the service we give to patient without asking patient to pay, but also with keeping patient completely anonymized and and, um, and only their data is being served to better serve them. I suspect you're familiar with the saying in the tech world, if you're not paying for it, you're not the customer, you're the product. What's the case that this shouldn't matter to patients? Why should they feel confident Leal's acting in their best interest? Because at, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. That's the statement. And, and we are leveraging their data to better, for the pharma to better serve them. But the way they can feel comfortable is for two holes. A, because at the end of the day, if we will not do right by patient, we will not give them all their treatment option. We will compromise the level of service they're getting from us. Uh, they will not come and they will not use us. So we will not exist if we don't do a good service to them. And, and I can give you a true example. We had early on when we, we were just starting to sell to pharmaceutical company, we had pharmaceutical company that came to us and said, okay, I'm willing to, um, I'm willing to sign a contract for your service, but I want you to remove my competitors from the platform. And we looked at them and we say, we'll never do that. And you say, why? I said, because that's compromised the level of service I'm giving to patients. And that's, that's a key value for me. I will never do it. I'm, I build this platform as a patient because I know what patient needs and to give them better options. I will not take those options away from them. And therefore, we walked away from that deal. So it's, it, it, it's, it's our core mission. It's our drive. It's the reason we build it. So we will never compromise it. And it's also bad business. Because if we will, like I said, if we're not going to serve them right, they will go. I can give another example. We're working with a very large pharmaceutical company where they embedded us in their own website. 
Um, but then we told them, what if you guys don't have anything to offer? You can't leave patients with no option when there are options out there. So now they agreed that even when, even we're embedded in a pharmaceutical company website, if they don't have any offering for those patients, they they allow patients and they propose patients to go directly to Lille and it's in a one click to see other options. So it's a novel thought, but again, it's exactly the the message we have for the industry. Let's put patient first. Let's focus on what the patient needs. Um, and that's what drives us in our growth. I, I suspect beyond that, there's this opportunity to get enormous visibility into the state of cancer and patient need. Are, are you able to leverage data in less obvious ways to do that? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, and it's very, very interesting because we we provide patients so much value before, because also we engage with them in such intimate manner. We can see uh, overall trends. We can see overall gaps uh, in the industry and really help drive forward cancer care from profile of patients that have no option and we can raise a flag to to, uh, to uh, we had an ASCO publication. ASCO is one of the largest uh, oncology conferences in the world. We, we, we had a publication there where we took uh, uh, bladder cancer uh, and we analyzed the eligibility criteria and we saw that a lot of patients are getting excluded from trials for things that are temporary because, you know, some of them are elderly patients um, that first line of treatment is very hard and leave them feeling not too great. And because of that, a lot of them get excluded over eligibility criteria called ECOG from, from trials. And even, but it's a temporary health situation and, and over time they get better and stronger and that should not be the case. So it's identifying where, where you're actually limiting patients in a large scale for something that should not be the case, not this, uh, a chronic medical condition, but the temporary one. So we can flag it um, to them. We can flag a lot of those trend changes. We can see also population that are more inclined to clinical trials, but then have less option. And we have this dialogue, ongoing dialogues with the pharmaceutical company and the industry, and we publish those data in order to really drive uh, innovation in cancer care from the patient point of view. How many patients have used the service to date? And is there any way you are able to track actual matches or outcomes? We have already over 150,000 patients that have used our platform in the U.S. Um, and absolutely, we track matches um, and, and we, see match, we, we see a return user over time and we see the journey. Unfortunately, patients and treatment is not one time off, right? For the lucky one, they get on a treatment, whether it's a standard of care or, or a clinical trial, it works for them and it's the end of the story for them. For a lot of patients, uh, it, it requires more than one type of therapy. There is a recurrence and we track them over, over time and we see them keep coming back and we see the level of matches. Over 80% of the patients that will use the little platform will get matched to treatment options. Um, and we see also the percentage of patients that are acting upon it and, and then rolling to clinical trial, which is uh, significantly higher than industry standard, um, which is very, very encouraging 
as well. Leal's raised uh, nearly $30 million. It completed a 20 million Series A in February 2022. How far will existing funding take you and what's the plan for raising additional capital? Yes, um, that's the question of the decade, right? Or the year because uh, 2022 and 23 have been uh, a little bit more challenging for startups, especially uh, on the digital health side. We're lucky as we we leverage AI um, and we're uh, so innovative that um, that we're in a different position in terms of fundraising. The the funding lasts us to mid 20 to 24 second half of 24. Um, we might do a raise before to expedite our growth, uh, but we'll see. Svia Bader, co-founder and CEO of Leal Health. Svia, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. It was such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.